Welcome to What's Left of the Watchmen, a Watchmen review podcast from a leftist perspective. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? Uh, I had a long day. I drove eight and a half hours today, um, the long way up around the Great Lakes to, to visit some family. Um, it's been a really long time since I've been in Wisconsin and uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, it's a you know longer drive, but it's very calm and relaxing. You do get to see a little bit of like the the Midwest craziness, you know, like the like uh, I'm sure you've like, seen like a huge car dealership, and they've got a you know like an American flag. Uh, it's big enough you can see from space, right? Yeah. Um, and this one, I saw this one. I'm like, that's the that's huge. It was so big. It was it was like like the you know like they put up on top of a wind turbine that high up, and uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking. I wonder how many times people have gone in there and been like, hey, so uh, how big is that flag you got out there? You know, and and then like just, you know, oh, it's it's a big one. I bet you can't guess. And and I just, you know, imagine how like that, that long drawn out conversation must have been before. I was like, hey, why don't they just put a sign out in the front yard of this huge, like, you know, industrial whatever complex that says how big it is. And then as if on cue, I look and I see this giant, like, <laughs> stadium-sized light board, you know, from, you know, yeah, like, yeah. The, the, uh, and, it's, and it says exactly how big it is. And I'm just like, I wonder how many times somebody was like, hey, that says exactly how big that flag there is. I'm going to go meet the fellow who put that in there and tell him what a good idea that was. And then, like, the long, <laughs> drawn-out conversation that ensued from all the times that that's happened. Uh, yeah. and I just imagine these as I'm passing by, like, you know, just thinking like Fargo accents and, and, uh, <laughs> so just, just to let you know how big this flag was, it was, it was 70 feet Jesus by 140 feet. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it was a big fucking flag. Um, and yeah, so I kept driving, got up, you know, got up in the upper peninsula, uh, you know, it was kind of like, oh, I got a ways to drive, but you know, it's just, it's, you know, nice, nice four lane highway, not much traffic, uh, that, that, you know, that you don't have like a, like constant on ramps and off ramps where you're stressed out from everyone merging about to crash into each other 80 miles an hour. Uh, and, and that, that lasted for about, um, about five miles. And then it turned into just a two way country road <laughs> where it's like, everyone's, you know, there's, there's no median. It's just people are driving directly at you at 60, 70 miles an hour. And you're driving yeah. directly at them at 70 miles an hour and you're blinded by their headlights and you have no idea if you're about to crash or not. Uh, and, and you know, the, there's really no freeways in the Upper Peninsula. There's all of the UP is one congressional district. Like that's how sparsely populated it is. Right. So I get on this road. It's it's called Lakeshore Drive. Right. And it it's runs the entire length of the Upper Peninsula of the states. You know, it's two two halves of the state. Right. And the little uh, navigator on my phone goes. Please stay on Lakeshore Drive for the next 192 miles. Oh, <laughs> She's like, holy fuck. I hope there's a gas station along the way somewhere in those 200 yeah. miles. So, absolutely brutal. So, yeah, it, it was gorgeous out there. There was a huge snowstorm. Um, there was, like, it must have been a huge amount of wind because all the trees were like, one whole side of the tree was just white still yeah. from the storm yesterday. Um, there was, there was houses along the lake where they, like, the fronts of their yards were flooded. And now frozen because the waves had come up past their house, right? Uh, and all along the the shore, there's not really a beach anymore because they they raised the lake level like ten feet now, and there's beaches are all gone because uh, of climate change. And, but like all the trees along the shore had like uh, like icicles hanging from branches ten feet up, 
all the way down into the lake. Like that's that's how high the the, the waves were coming up, basically. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I got to miss all that yesterday. <laughs> kind of yeah, we're getting the, that today and tomorrow, right now, up in in Connecticut. So that's it's probably the same storm. Probably, uh, yeah. Moving moving out to the to the uh, to the ocean, but uh, yeah, on up. yeah. So um, <clears throat> let's get into the episode because there was uh, a lot of lot of stuff to happen this week, a lot of stuff to talk about. We're gonna kind of talk broadly about the big uh the big kind of chunks of the episode in chronological order i don't think we necessarily need to go beat for beat but there are a lot of uh revelatory moments in the episode um we, we will we, mention the elephant in the room by the way yeah oh <laughs> uh, man what a weird fucking show this is so yeah um yeah let's just get right into it um oh we're briefly up top did you want to mention the uh the the music from this episode before we we were gonna just kind of do general first impressions and i wanted to mention a little bit about that yeah um this is like every episode we've had so far they will answer you know three or four huge questions and open up three or four more right we're getting a payoff with all the setup from the prior episodes you know uh, so many shows I think are, you know, like they, they want to be weird and quirky. So they try to reverse engineer situations to have weird and quirky things happen. Uh, and then there's no payoff and you're like, well, what was the point of that? Like, Oh, I just want to have a scene where this person did this and it makes no fucking sense. You know? And like a lot of the stuff Lindelof has done, especially like with uh, the leftovers, you think that's where it's going to go. And then it, he like actually all these ends tie up together and you're like, Oh, that was yeah. a fucking fun ride. Because there was a lot of thought put into it. And that weird, quirky moment, um, it, it was initially seen that way because you didn't understand why it happened. And then you understand it and you're like, oh, that this this guy's kind of brilliant <laughs> at, at, at doing this, making these little these little brain puzzles. Um, and also just having like a huge amount of emotional depth to these characters, obviously, where you're, you know, your heart just breaks for, for some of them. I mean, kind of all of them in a way that you definitely didn't feel that way from you know, the Zack Snyder film or from the original comic, you know, you, you kind of hate all these people because they're terrible people. Uh, and in this, it's kind of like, yeah, they're all still, they get a lot of flaws, but like, here's why, you know, and, and there's a lot more going on there. So you, when you have that rich emotional depth, uh, you've really earned a lot of moments where you can slip in a, you know, classic David Bowie song and it just like takes it to a whole nother level. And I think like you, you really do have to do the work to earn that. Right. Uh, so many, um, you know, directors that want to do quirky without substance will rely on the Bowie song or, you know, whoever it is, you know, whatever classic, classic rock, rock needle drop, drop. Right. It, to, to really like the, there's no, there's nothing in the scene worth watching except for the, the Bowie song, right? Like cue every uh, Wes Anderson movie, right. Where there's just like, what's the point of this? What is, what's the theme of this movie? There is none. It's just like shallow one dimensional characters that say or do something stupid. And here's the fucking emotional pitch from Bowie. Right. But they're quirky. <laughs> right. And they, there's just, it's like yeah. people can't explain why they like them. They're like, Oh, I just think it's, it's fun. And they, things happen. Then it's, it's like, okay, well, what is, what is, what's it about? What is the movie about? Oh, well, it's, you know, I know who's in it and what they do, but what's the movie trying to say? Um, I'm not really, you know, it's, it's just like it, there's no, there's no build up and no payoff because there was nothing risked and nothing earned. Uh, so when you have a show, say like <clears throat> leftovers or a show like um, uh, Halt and Catch Fire really does a good job of, of earning those emotional moments so that when they end the whole series with, with uh, uh, Peter Gabriel's uh, 
uh, what's the name of the song? The real famous one. Going to take in the air tonight. South South Street. Oh, oh, um, yeah. isn't it called Take Me Home? No, no, it's like South South some like British place name that it's oh, like Salisbury Hill. There you go. Sales. That's not Salisbury. It's like sounds like Salisbury. Anyway, people, everyone knows the song. It's been overused a million times for emotional moments that didn't have the work put into them to be emotional. So it just like rang flat, right? And to to use that song that people have used so many times, a million times over. Uh, in, in that series and have it just be like, holy shit, I can't believe how much more resonance it has because yeah. of everything that, that's been done or how much resonance, um, you know, life on Mars has in this episode because of all the emotional work they've done to get there where you're just like, I'm never going to forget that moment, you know, and they don't even use the, <laughs> the real song. They use a fucking cover that Trent Reznor did. They're, yeah, they're, great, they're, they're a subtle piano cover. Yeah. Yeah, like they're that like, we're not going to fucking hit you over the head with it. We're just going to like tease you with it because everyone knows the lyrics of that song or knows enough of them to know that a to lot of those lyrics uh, reference things that, have, that happen in this series uh, to to really kind of just like, you know. And it, yeah. Well, and it was just great because it like the first 15 to 20 seconds, you're like, wait, I really I recognize what what is happening. And then you realize what song it is. And you're like, oh, shit, I see what they're doing there. It's very clever, like I, it, it, you know, because it's not immediately evident until you really kind of hear the, like the, you know, the chorus almost of that song, or uh, well, and it's like oh, and, and they do it at a moment where, you know, like we we're led to believe for the last thirty five years that Doctor Manhattan's a god, he's invincible. Uh, when when I don't remember how exactly it plays in the Snyder film, but in the comics, Vite tries to use the, um, you know, the inductive field whatever the thing that turned him into what he was yeah. tried, tried to use it on on again and it doesn't work and he's like yeah. I've, you know how many times i've done this to myself again to see if i could reverse it are you fucking <laughs> you think i haven't tried this <laughs> uh so you know we see these fucking uh 7k stooges building whatever they're building you're like there's no way these guys know what this, this is gonna fucking work yeah exactly so you think that like the you know the 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 bluff like oh they're gonna kill dr manhattan you're like he's, no no you're not you fucking fool no, yourself not. And then to get to the end of it, and you're like, okay, clearly this person who actually knows him intimately knows that is possible and is very worried about that happening. And, you know, that last line, like, we're in fucking trouble, baby. And you're like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> is maybe, you know, and then, you know, of course, the the, the song that's been building up, the, you know, I'll be at the quiet Trent Reznor version of the song, gets to the, you know, the crescendo, and you're like, <laughs> you know the, <laughs> the 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 wrestling guy when he's sitting there like rolling back on the chair you know that that yeah, yeah, that the Vince McMahon meme yep exactly <laughs> no it was, it was perfect it was it was absolutely perfect and we'll we'll talk about that once we get to that scene a little bit more in depth but uh let's let's go through some of the uh the significant beats in the beginning uh portion of the episode so you know it opens with this kind of uh almost like a like a cheesy Ken Burns ripoff documentary talking about Dr. Manhattan which was you know, pretty obvious foreshadowing for where the episode was going to go from there uh, in terms of it being a Manhattan centric episode, even though he doesn't, you know, fully appear until the end of the episode. Um, although we do, we see that news clip of him from that documentary, you know, kind of stomping villages and it cuts right before you get to his face uh, very conspicuously. Yeah. Um, and we, and we see that that's actually playing in a video store and I, at first thought that, that was an American city, but then you, it becomes pretty obvious, like, you know, just some context clues that it's uh, 
it's I think it was Saigon, right? It was it was just well, a city in Vietnam. Saigon in Vietnam. is an American city now. It's the fifty first. This state. is true. Yes. No. I know. So it, it shows you just how Americanized. It, I I almost thought it was like an ethnic minority sit like like a little Vietnam in like L A or something. You know, like that's what I thought it was at first. And then you realize, oh no, it's just an Americanized city in Vietnam, <laughs> in Vietnam proper. Um, but yeah, so we see uh, young Angela. We figure out it's young Angela in there shopping uh, for movies to watch, and she comes across. Uh, uh, it looks like almost like a black exploitation superhero movie uh, called mm-hmm. Sister Night. Yeah, very, very much so. And. Um, so, you know, which explains, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, she's not really particularly religious. Why should she choose Sister Knight? But, you know, then we then we see that it's just, look, hey, this is this awesome, you know, cheesy uh, 70s movie that she found in this video store. And she picked it up because, like she says in that moment, uh, or, you know, with her grandmother later, uh, you know, she looked like me, which is just, you know, just a great subtle uh not at at representation in in comics and in film and tv and which is you know just still even to this day lacking but it for, especially for a kid in the 70s to see something like that it's it you know it, it was just a nice it said a lot without having to say a lot i thought um yeah no I mean, and it's also kind of like well nobody ever really comes up with anything original like everybody kind of takes something from what's around them right uh yeah. quentin tarantino like never really had any original ideas he's just been kind of like riffing off of of uh you know 70s black exploitation films and uh you know spaghetti, spaghetti westerns, westerns and, and yeah. like ultra violent um you know type of type of films uh to, to varying degrees of effect uh obviously i think uh, once upon a time in hollywood is a, definitely the, the the furthest he's pitched beyond <laughs> that that material but it's still you know it's still Hollywood doing Hollywood essentially, but uh, and it's probably his best movie for you know for that for the fact that he did branch out so much. Right. Well, and again, he did the work to you know have some real emotional labor, so you really connect with those characters. Really, for the first time in any of his films, are you like really rooting for everybody? And you're really invested and really scared, you know, of bad things happening to the heroes for the first time, yeah. as as opposed to just like, oh, he just got shot, huh? You know, <laughs> kind of a yeah. reaction. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, that's the, so she, that scene's uh, interesting. She goes outside. We see they pass by a um, a little burger place called Burgers and Borscht, which uh, was funny, but it also further confused my, my you know, sense of where the hell we are. Uh, but I guess that's just, you know, a byproduct of, of the Cold War being over and, you know, Vietnam being part of America is that now America seems to have integrated elements of russian culture now that there's not a cold war and that we're uh presumably allies with russia or with the ussr in this in this universe um yeah so there it seems to be this kind of a celebration of dr manhattan festival which you know kind of seems weird for to be holding in in vietnam you know in the 51st state in a place that's just recently colonized by the u.s i mean it makes uh, sense though like how many how many how many nations or, or peoples were conquered and then forced to celebrate their conquerors as liberators no for no. sure but it's, it, it seemed like a, a good portion of the population were celebrating it but i guess you get that in 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 all these you know and you look in venezuela and bolivia there's a ton of right-wing you know assholes who celebrate the the u.s-led coups 
of their countries because it means that they're going to get to start exploiting the poor indigenous people of that country, you know? So that might be. Well, and this is also, you know, in in South Vietnam where if, if at least the events that led up to the point of, you know, Dr. Manhattan being involved or similar to what really transpired, uh, you know, we, we really, us really set that up as a civil war. You know, we pit these two sides against each other when really they wanted reunification. You know, they didn't want to be split in half the way that we'd done to, uh, to Korea. Um, so, but yeah, you do get the sense that like, this is very twisted knowing what Dr. Manhattan has done uh, and what we've seen him do that they're now, you know, little kids like, oh, we want the, you know, we're playing with the little marionettes. And, uh, and, and I love that because it kind of, you're kind of like, wait, isn't this like, didn't he just like incinerate a bunch of them? <laughs> like, why would they? <laughs> and now they're like selling little kids toys and like the yeah, kids are like being it was forced just a to, odd. you know, the little like child labor camp, uh, you know, they have to make them there and. Uh, and then the marionette show was like really fucking dark because it's like he, he the little, little torches coming out of his hands to incinerate the people. And then you, you kind of look up and realize like th- this guy is missing an eye and has this huge scar on his face and something is not quite right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then so then shortly from there, we see somebody picking up a, ba- a book bag like on a bicycle. Um, and, you know, shortly after that, after we meet Angela's parents briefly, uh we see them blowing we see that kid on the bike you know basically like suicide bombing uh inside of a it looked like a truck or something it wasn't it wasn't it was clear, an army clear jeep. to me he was an it army was a jeep. jeep okay yeah yeah just trying to take out as many people as he could yeah well i mean they weren't you know i'm sure a few civilians got killed but they were they were targeting military sure like, sure sure the occupation there yeah, and which I, was I love, a lot of the people I love, in, the, like, in that area like the, he almost hits her on his bike two different times and that bell kind of startles her and you're like, okay, well they're, they're clearly trying to build tension with that bike and the bell. Uh, and when he goes in for like his, 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 you know, dive bombing mission with the bicycle, the bell sort of like creates a, you know, becomes a rhythm and becomes like the tick-tock of the bomb basically. Yeah. And I'm sure you <laughs> notice that. And then he does this great, like he just lunges off the bike and does like a barrel roll in the air and lands back, like back down. And I was like, damn, you fucking, you fucking like totally, fucking moves, yeah. totally stick the suicide bomber landing on that one, buddy. <laughs> oh, um, God. But it's, you know, it's this horrible, violent thing, but it's also like they, they intercut with, uh, you know, scenes of, of, exactly, exactly. And it's a little unclear. They, you know, I think to the casual viewer, are they comparing, you know, this this soon to be suicide bombing to what the, you know, the clan did? And I, I, I think they were kind of trying to kind of mix it all together um, for, you know, like young Angela. You know, we don't really know where her memories are, right? If these are really her own memories or if it's still some of her you know, Will's memories kind of mixing together. Yeah. Uh, but, but clearly well, we get the sense that there are people who are very not content uh, at the atrocities that Dr. Manhattan committed in the you know invasion. Yeah, absolutely. And and we realize that Angela is, that we're witnessing a flashback that Angela's having while she's detoxing from the nostalgia, which is why I think we see the kind of quick flashes of, of Tulsa breaking in. Um, because then right after that scene, she, she wakes up uh, back in, in Lady True's uh, vivarium or complex, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um so uh you know she's there lady true's there uh lady true's uh tells her that she's giving her uh i think she called it pneumodialysis basically she's just uh, siphoning out the nostalgia from her blood um she and she says to the host you know implying that she she's connected on the other end to will 
Um, but you know, obviously later on we learned that that's not the case. Well, she's uh, very good at neither confirming or denying things. That's and true. Yeah, saying something yeah. suggestive to make the audience and Angela think that she was correct in something, and she does this several times throughout the episode. Uh, and then it gets to the point where Angela starts doing it back to her, and you realize they're both really fucking smart and both really good at uh, sort of Sub-refuge. sussing out what the other person knows about the other, right? And it's yeah. uh, it's a lot of fun to watch that and to have like that level of like mental chess going on at the same time as we're still trying to figure out what's true or not also <laughs> right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and no pun intended you know we it's it's like each one seems to be getting the upper hand on the other back and forth repeatedly and not just like you know being bitchy and like saying something snide and and trying to like get the other one get, you know get a rise out of them but like generally yeah. trying no, to it's get a chess game yeah like generally trying to get more information and but also you know pretend there's things they don't know that they do know uh and and yeah i mean that's that's fucking just great 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 writing to be able to do that kind of thing and acting and acting and and the scene they have later at the at the globe in the globe room isn't it's an amazing game of chess you don't even realize it's a game of chess until about five minutes later in (laughs) the episode and you're like oh fuck okay yeah um because at first you think angel is it's gonna be another one of those like that's the fucking craziest thing i've ever heard and then walks out of the room and actually it's like no she knows that's exactly fucking true <laughs> yeah no she's gotten, exactly she's gotten really good at pretending to be shocked by things so uh you know while that's going on we get cal showing up to see angela uh get stopped at the gate uh red scare and and uh pirate jenny are there standing watch uh later we learn that you know they're, they're there to keep angela kind of detained because she's still technically under arrest um uh, and and they won't let him in. Uh, they bring out the little hollow tech uh, ring uh, and little nineties frisbee. Remember those? It was like the ring yeah, yeah. frisbee that uh, yeah they sucked. Were fun. Yeah, and they did. They did. <laughs> <laughs> um. So and so he has a conversation with True's daughter, who we you know later learns True's mother also. Um, which we which, predicted you know, a long time ago. Yeah. So we just... predict, and we and the other and the rest of the I won't we won't we can't take sole credit, but that was it. You know, we we I think we called the intricacies of of how that would play out a little bit uh, way back when. Sure. Um, well, and they gave us lots of good clues, you know, when, when she yeah, no, talked I mean, about she, yeah. the, the, the memory of her village being torched by, uh, you know, basically U S uh, shock trooper, stormtroopers. Um, you know, we know that's not, that's not her memory. Right. And yeah, it, it, it I first posited that I thought that was more just, she's trying to instill the, the memories of what the U S did is, you know, just sort of a revenge uh sort of like her, her motivation for everything and clearly that's a factor right but it's not yeah. like you know whatever she is trying to do and we still don't know for sure uh i think we have some good theories on on record uh yeah. it's clearly motivated by that but what the, her solution is not just to uh you know smite the u.s it's to do something to pretty much take over the world uh and it, it almost seems like if she's being honest which i doubt she is completely that the mm-hmm. seventh cavalry thing like it is it is sort of that like Game of Thrones of, you know, um, uh, Army of the Dead, where it's like, well, I still want to take over uh, King's Landing, but for now I have to go deal with this other bullshit first, right? Because that's that's an ex- existential threat to all of us. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to in a little bit why I think that she is um, actually... Lying about that? Well, I think she... she well, okay, so just, just to jump to it, you know, we, we see the 7th Cavalry building this, you know, whatever they're building, portals and... Uh, you know, this this chamber to to capture and kill Dr. Manhattan and then turn them all into Dr. Manhattan's 
or at least have their same power. Or just keen, Eric, yeah. Yeah, but they all the equipment they're setting up has the, the True Industries elephant logo on it. So I, I can't believe they just somehow like stole all that and she didn't know about it and didn't track them down across, you know, on the other side of Tulsa at the abandoned JC Penney's, you know. So I, I think <laughs> that, that she that looking glass managed to track them too. Well, yeah. I mean they let him there, but still, like, you know. These are a bunch of fucking rednecks. They don't know how to hook up yeah, a yeah. fucking teleporter uh or anything else. So I think that like she she probably helped them or uh, to some level uh to to draw out Manhattan. Right. Yeah. And she has her own plan for Manhattan maybe less nefarious than than these racist fuckers but still whatever it is it's you know at, le- at least for now angela's more concerned about uh you know the the, the disciples of, of rorschach than she is about lady shrew yeah yeah so um you know from there we get a scene of uh of Lori listening to the tapes of angela kind of um, dictating the nostalgia trip that she had last week uh and if you read the pd files they they kind of pre- uh, pre-told us that this this happened that Angela basically narrated the entirety of the the memories that she was experiencing so Lori knows everything Lori knows about Will Lori Lori knows about everything um knows about Judd so we that was just kind of a confirmation for people people that haven't been following the uh the the PD files and the the kind of ARG stuff um she gets a call from PD who is at uh Wade's house looking glasses house and as predicted, uh, he walks down into the bunker and all the Seventh Cavalry guys there are dead uh, because, you know, Wade got the jump on them, presumably because they didn't realize he was down in the bunker. Who knows? Whatever it was, um, he, he got the jump on them, managed to get away and kill all of them. Uh, so they, you know, they kind of ruled out that he was part of the Seventh Cavalry because... Well, he, <laughs> Petey does. Petey with does. His, with his aw shucks detective work. And then he he's like... She says, do they, do they all have their masks on? And he's like, oh, they all do except for one. And his mask is gone. And you notice he's the only one that was shot in the chest and not the head. And, mm. and, and, and you can tell Lori's just like, Petey, idiot. Like, like she doesn't think he still might not be Seventh Cavalry because he clearly didn't, you know, shoot the guy in the head because he stole the fucking, you know, the mask. Now, we're all thinking he probably stole it to go infiltrate them and try to fucking, you know, take out more of them, hopefully. Take out the, the J.C. Penny plates. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but but you could tell she rolls her eyes and she's like she can see the crime scene in her head and can <laughs> can interpret details that Pete can't while he's actually there, you know. <laughs> yeah, she has some good moments this episode too, Lori. Uh, you know, she, she, has, she has some. Yeah, she has one bad one, and that's just having like zero husband, no reflexes husband, whatsoever. Well, just like zero uh, husband and wife instinct about you know the the wife not being in on the on the big plot going on like she goes to that house and just like totally like hey here's the whole th- here's my whole theory oh yeah you're right and now you're captured and she's like wait what you, what what <laughs> well well so here's well th- that's actually the next scene so let's yeah. talk about that because uh she gets to judd's wife's house to tell her about um the fact that will reeves murdered judd um she tells her why she murdered judd she really lays this all out and and i guess you know laurie's been pretty smart this whole series, uh, one of the smartest characters, but she just does not, as you mentioned at all, think for a second that, Hey, maybe if Judd really was the leader of the seven K or one of the leaders of the seven K that his wife would be in on it also. Um, and, and she just, you know, it, it, well, especially if she knows there's a conspiracy, a broader conspiracy. That's not just, come on, Lori, what the fuck? You know, unless she's just like, well, the, the quickest way to the answer is to, you know, walk right in and get captured. Um, 
but clearly she's annoyed by it. You know, she's just like, I hate all this stupid fucking stupid. You know, she's like, I'm tired of the silliness. I'm just tired of all how stupid all this is. Yeah. You know, like, so I I think if she really was, you know, trying to be a real detective, she, you know, you don't put your cards on your table, but your theory, you ask a lot of questions that establishes, you know, first somebody's credibility, which she doesn't do that even. Right. And if she did, she would realize this person's not trustworthy or reliable at all. Um, but instead it's like, she's trying to gain her trust. So she just kind of goes like, well, here's my whole theory. And I just wondered if you might want to comment on it. It's like, well, uh, th- that was the plan at first. And then grabs the fucking old 19, 1970s remote control. <laughs> it doesn't oh, good God. Work. That, that doesn't work. And, and uh, Lori, come on. Like you see her pointing a remote at you and pushing a button and going, oh, fuck, it's not working. Do you not think like, oh, clearly there's some kind of a booby trap or something? Like her, I, I know she's not a superhero, but she still was a vigilante. Like you think her instincts or reaction time would be a little quicker than just sitting there for like I you mean, know ten seconds as she's her, pressing a button. Her, her instant reaction to everything is to draw her weapon. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> she doesn't she to fucking ask like, "What are you doing?" Like, no, she would have fucking. I shut- thought like, oh, maybe it's some like cheap taser or something, but that like no, nowhere in my wildest dreams did I think, oh. Judd had a trap door under one of the fucking chairs in his living room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just preposterous. At any rate, really I'm sure funny. she's down there just like, why didn't I fuck like, you know, why didn't I try my weapon immediately? Or <laughs> well, actually, no, because they, they, they wouldn't disarm. They wouldn't be able to disarm her. They did it because they did that at the funeral. You know, they, they took all the, the weapons away at the funeral. But yeah, no, but there's no like, event. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. But Still, or even just charge her or something. Get out of the chair. I mean, my God, clearly she's trying to point some kind <laughs> of a thing at you after she just says, "Well, well, you got me." Like you know, yeah. Like oh, fucking, it was a kid got shot because he pointed a chicken wing at a teacher. So the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the school security guard shot the kid or some shit like that. I mean, fucking weird, weird look for Lori. But um, but yeah. So that 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 but that was kind of funny. The only thing with the scenes, I felt like it was a little too clunky dialogue wise. Like I just felt like. Maybe could have used another punch. I don't know. It just felt very expository to me in a way that the show doesn't usually. Exactly. Especially because we're, we're getting used to, you know, like this, this mind chess back and forth between uh, some of the other women characters that this just felt like kind of like, what's, what's the hidden message here? Oh, there it isn't. Just, it was weird. It stuck, yeah. out, it stuck out to me, but what, I mean, whatever, you know, every show is going to have something like that, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, we go back to um, <clears throat> Angela in, uh, in in True's custody uh, and uh, True's daughter's giving her, her this kind of weird, I almost thought it was like a Turing test at first, but then I realized it was kind of like a inherent bias test almost. She talks about how it's her dissertation that she's working on. Um, and I don't know if the, what the significance of that is, but, you know, I guess maybe we'll learn later on or maybe it's just to show you how fucking smart this kid is that she's got a captive audience it could be something she does for anybody yeah but there there was a uh i used to live somewhere where there was a guy who would fly a kite by himself every day for at least three to four hours every day of the year and i was terrified of that man (laughs) so i was like uh no and people (laughs) she was like people don't fly kites alone i was like yes that right there exactly I've been thinking that in my brain for years. Finally, someone said it. <laughs> no, I agree that, that I would, I would have had the same, uh, same, same answer as her on that one. Um, yeah. So from there we get a flashback to her time in Saigon, uh, in the orphanage. Um, 
so we learn that the bombing killed both of her parents, uh, which solving the mystery of what actually happened to her parents. Uh, so she is in an orphanage in Saigon um, that she's brought out to by the, uh, I, I guess they're the military police. Like I, I, I couldn't read that, that the, uh, the, the side of the car quick enough. It, I, they might've just been the Saigon PD, whatever they were. Um, but they, you know, they have the guy, the, the marionette guy in custody, one of the co-conspirators. And they say, Hey, is this the guy you saw hand the bag off? And she says, yeah, definitely him narcs on him. Um, but, but, you know, I get it. Kill, kill, kill both of your parents. Um, and so they pull the guy, they take the guy around the corner. I'm like, they're not going to just shoot this fucking guy. Right. And, you know, as she's talking to the, uh, the female uh, police officer, uh, they fucking shoot the guy. So I was like, wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, I guess well, there's <laughs> they a, may be the 51st state, but they're yeah. not fully under uh, American rule of law, I guess. Oh, I, or they just picked it up immediately. Well, that was, you know, that, that very famous photo of the guy uh, executing the guy in the middle of the street in broad daylight, just putting a gun to his head and shoots him. You know, that photo I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, that was, that was a, that was a uh, Southern Vietnamese um, captain or lieutenant who was killing that person was executing them in the, in the street. That was that was our ally doing that. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's pretty consistent with you know we, we yeah no it's true yeah. we we were propping up a dictatorship to try to stop communism right and you know I mean, they they when the you know North Vietnam came in uh, they were pretty violent too you know it, that's that's usually what happens when you. Know, if if another country, if a foreign country Defending had had come land, into yeah. the U.S. and you know orchestrated our actual civil war, um, you know you'd be pissed at them, but you'd be pissed at the other side that sided with the, the invaders too, right? So it, it's just you know it. <clears throat> someday we're going to review uh, Hearts and Minds, and you'll you'll see just how awful, uh, you know, putting people in cages and then throwing lie on them, Ugh, and then Christ. spraying them with water, you know, and like they're, they're just they're they're skins falling off in a cage right so and that was the, that was things we condoned we probably trained them how to do those kinds of things the cia uh dropping people out of helicopters that's all stuff that really happens so uh it, it is interesting though just how um you know to really denote the uh the time period and that these are real memories of hers as opposed to like desaturated or you know uh, totally black and white someone else's memories that they they chose a really intense um primary color red, yellow, and blue color palette for all the stuff yeah. in, in Saigon. Uh, almost like her, you know, like her, her memories of the eighties are just like, just popping wildly with, with color, <laughs> the way a kid would look at everything, you know, very, uh, and the way the eighties were in general, yeah, know, just, color just, palette wise. especially like stranger things three, like all the mall scenes were mm-hmm. just like, they, they really oversaturated the, the reds and blues and yellows to really make them stand out. The costumes, like all their, Colors they were wearing were all almost all primary colors. You know, anytime any two or three people were standing next to each other, you would see primary colors there. So, yeah, um, yeah just just interesting. Usually, we think of Vietnam and it's just like, oh, it's dreary and everything's brown and green and yeah, no mud. <laughs> uh, so. so it's interesting to see that side of it for sure. <clears throat> um, so from there, we go to the uh, the the weekly, you know, uh, Vite Madness. Uh, it is day three sixty five of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of his. What? Oh, it's it's it, like this is the one like it, they they were, you know, like the rest of the show answering questions then posing new ones, and this was the one where it was just like, 
<laughs> we're done we're done doing that now we're just there's yeah. nothing there's nothing yeah, yeah, more yeah. to pretend we're just waiting till he gets back to to tulsa <laughs> well um you almost wonder if like all of this is just a uh just a, a thing happening in his mind you know that none of this is really real and he just knows there's like a timer that is going to go off and suddenly he'll fall back to earth and nothing he does can actually get him out of this any faster or slower so he's just kind of resigned himself that he's surrounded by this circus of, of, of idiot clones and, and apparently uh, cloned buffaloes and cloned uh, uh, pigs. And he's just stuck there in the middle of all of it. There's nothing he can do because he, he had like nothing to say. He, was, he looked completely defeated for the first time. Yeah, well, and uh, you you would think a kangaroo court would work a little faster than this. Either on day three sixty five of it. I mean, this is not the fucking OJ trial. Like, I don't understand the level of evidence yeah, that well, he's just. You know, I think the like, judge even I love says, that, like, uh, you know, Kurt Shanks no is the prosecutor. Evidence to like this exonerate yourself. Indictment of all of the crimes he's committed, and then sits down and like winks at him. Like, did I do good, boss? <laughs> like, like clearly he's still coaching her, trying to like get her to be the better actor. Right. And his reaction is just like, he doesn't care anymore. Like he did, yeah. like there's still, he, she's, she's still the sycophant and he's just like, I, I don't, I don't care. I just, I want to die now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what a performance. I mean, the, just the, to, cause we saw like the, 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 the fake uh, origin story or the, the acted origin story that was way over the top. Uh, and, you know, and he wanted real tears from her and everything. And she, she did it, but it was, and he was impressed back that, you know, back then with that even though it was melodramatic and this was actually like, you know, really great, uh, you know, theater oratory for a courtroom drama. Uh, and, and you know, looks like she, he, he would have, you know, might've been impressed with it on day one, but after hearing it again and again and again, day after day for, for another year, he just wants to shoot his pants and go, you know, die basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they they mentioned like he who gifted us life so you know just further further pointing to the fact that they were created by manhattan i think that's all but confirmed at this point um so uh yeah and, and it's kind of unclear what exactly is happening there other than as you mentioned just maybe he knows he's being rescued or he has to run the clock out and he's just basically waiting for his seven years to be whatever it is to be up um before he can return to earth so uh not much happening there but just you know Funny surrealism, typical bite shit. Um, enjoyable in its own way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we next go to uh, Angela eating with Lady True. Uh, did, did I see like a, a little mini squid on the on the menu there? Like I couldn't really tell. There's a brief flash of the uh, kind of platter. It looked like there were almost yeah, like the, little squids. On, like, they they open this shot on like an insert insert shot of the table, and there's some. It looked like. Uh, like they were uh, like sautéed squid in one of the, the first things there, and then there was like a like a blue, um, some kind of like fighting fish in a huge bowl on the table too, and it like I couldn't tell if it was alive or dead, or if it was just like a float, you know, whatever it was, it was just kind of kind of keeping with her her general theme of the like traditional Vietnam uh, as opposed yeah. to the the you know uh, you- Mickey Mouse Disneyfied version of Vietnam that we <clears throat> saw. Yeah. You would think like nobody would eat squid after what happened, but I guess maybe <laughs> who knows. Um, but yeah, so uh, she they briefly talk about Cal uh, having total amnesia from his car accident and how rare that is, um, which, you know, uh, again, was a tip off back then that we didn't necessarily pick up on right away. 
Um, but you know, the, uh, they talk about, she confirms the, uh, the theory that everyone's had about how her daughter is actually a clone of her mother and how, because she wanted to basically have her there when she completed her grand, uh, plan with the millennium clock. Um, and her father too, which Angela says he's already here and Lee says he will be. So that was a big, I was like, wait, is, is Manhattan the father like what <laughs> his fighter father i mean that's yeah. how timeline wise i would work out more I, although you know I, I don't know how but i mean again there's a lot of time unaccounted for where, where these things could have happened so um you know i mean that could that could maybe explain how she obtained all of his assets so easily you know obviously we, we knew she had money and purchased his companies but you know it might have been a lot easier if he left her you know some of the companies or left her some of his fortunes um and maybe, it also maybe made... the elephant is her father maybe she's like cloned from elephant dna and that's why she's maybe the elephant is maybe vite is trapped inside of the elephant right now <laughs> <laughs> like like uh with, with that thing with the human body where they like go in with the submarine like one 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 thousandth of the size or whatever nope you um, cut out there but yeah, I don't know. Just crazy shit. Um, yeah, so the, uh, you know, so th- there's just not a ton going on in that scene, but just just subtle little clues to what's going to happen later. Um, from there, though, we see Lori in 7K custody uh, in front of the, the portal that they're working on uh, in, in, you know, the abandoned JCPenney um is it a portal that... or is is it a, is it a portal slash intrinsic field generator at the same time it's a little it's unclear yeah i, yeah. I you know there's a lot of stuff we just won't know until it happens but that yeah whatever they were working on with the basketballs just in front of that thing hmm. um so uh blake you know or uh um what's his face keen, keen. comes over to her yeah and, um, you know, starts going through his villain monologue and she's like, just please don't talk me through your fucking plan. Like, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, which maybe. I was mad at at the moment. Cause like, I, I want to know his plan, but you know, it was, it was, it was typical Lori in that moment to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and it's just cause he's going to, he's going to do it in that the most, uh, you know, D list villain way possible. Cause that's who he is deep down inside is he's got it like he's been working on his his monologue for you know how he became a supervillain forever and of course he's like we're not racist we just want to return the country to the uh western heritage of the founding you know it's like oh my god the actual line he had was uh it's extremely difficult to be a white man in america now which is just you know he talks about restoring the balance and things have swung too far the other way which is the exact thing that we we say about like what's going to happen if we actually achieve equality in this country is that racists are going to lose their mind and, and act like you know oh well, that's too much equality and blah 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 you know all the shit they've that that we that white people have, have you know experienced the benefits of since the founding of this country once that playing field gets leveled they're all going to be all the you know the racist white people are going to be like you know, well, you swung the scale too far back in the other direction. And now white people are the minority and white people are prosecuted, persecuted. And so, you know, all the shit he was saying last week about how he's not like these other guys is kind of bullshit. Like he may think that, but we realize, oh no, he really does believe in the mission of the seven K. He just doesn't believe in their tactics necessarily. 
No, oh, yeah, no, he you know. he he wants you know he he's fine with their tactics. He's gonna turn into a god and fucking blow people up and everything. You know, it's just, that's what I mean. He he thinks maybe they're the, small potatoes, right? Uh, it, but it also kind of mirrors the the thing with Judd. With Judd was you know supposedly this other exactly. guy who was infiltrating them to control them and prevent an all out war. And it's like no, nah, no, they weren't. They yeah, just, you're just they, one of them. They, they told themselves that. Uh, you know, and it's again, it's like people that are like, oh, I'm not, no, it's not about white supremacy. It's just about uh, preserving uh, white Western heritage, <laughs> which is yeah. always ends up turning into like, well, we actually deep down want a, a white ethno state the same as Israel. You know, like that. Yeah. <laughs> once you, exactly. once you give them enough rope, they will uh, hang themselves, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and he basically reveals like, Hey, you know, I, 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 I might try being a blue. He says like, I've had enough being a white guy, but maybe I might try being a blue one. So in insinuating that their plan is to uh, create a Dr. Manhattan at that, that's all we know at that point. Later we get the other piece of the puzzle, which is that they're going to try to put Man the actual Manhattan through this generator in order to destroy him and maybe, you know, pass on the, 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 the process that turned him into Manhattan onto Keen and maybe onto other members of the seven K, but certainly at least to Keen, yeah. somebody who shares their ideals. Well, the, and what's, would use what's that power to say for that, things. Yeah. What's to say that if it works, they all turn out blue. Like wouldn't the, wouldn't the ultimate irony is if like all these fucking macho, you know, uh, wannabe alpha males that they could turn them all pink. Oh, that'd be so funny. <laughs> They're just like, well, fuck, we don't want it. I don't care. Go back. <laughs> And they can't change um, their appearance. They can like move objects around, but they can't fuck with time or matter really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they can just like lift heavy objects with their mouth. Or they have the reverse powers of, of, of Manhattan. They have like the worst of all. Like, you know, oh, that'd be Seriously. funny. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if you really, if true really wanted to get rid of all these guys, like why wouldn't she just give them a bunch of faulty equipment that fucking yeah, just right. scram, like just melts their molecules instead of, uh, you know, uh, separating them in a way where they can pass through matter. Yeah, and I'm not even sure she does what her intentions are at this point, or if she's trying to keep them busy doing bullshit that's not going to work as a distraction to keep everyone else from fucking up her plan, which is far broader, maybe. I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll, I mean, again, these are things we're not going to find out until probably right. the finale. But um, Well, clearly the, the plan, <clears throat> as she tells it to Angela, is the same plan that Keane describes to... Uh, to Lori, except, you know, minus the killing Manhattan part. Uh, but like, clearly they're, they're, you know, whatever their intended plan is, is the plan that she's telling Angela about. So yeah. I'm sure certainly it's possible if she wanted to, you know, do just that, give them false equipment and kill them all. Um, but still wanted Angela to think that that was really going to happen in order to actually draw out Manhattan. Then, uh, you know, she could have set those wheels in motion, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, so um, from there we go back to Angela. Uh, we see that she's actually hooked up to an elephant, uh, not to her grandfather. She breaks into the room. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we don't know what that's about other than the fact that, you know, elephants are known for their memories and maybe she's just siphoning all of this nostalgia into this elephant, which seems exceedingly cruel, uh, but just to get her out of her her nostalgia trip or, you know, her nostalgia wax or whatever. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, from there we get another, uh, flashback to her grandmother taking her home from the orphanage. Uh, we, we learn a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things about the, the origins of sister night, as we mentioned before, 
um, her grandmother, as she's putting her in this cab, has a heart attack, which is just, you know, another tragedy in Angela's life. She was so close to kind of getting getting home, uh, but, you know, it didn't happen. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know what that means for her story and how she actually ends up back in America. I think she briefly at the beginning of the series talked about how she, she grew up basically in Saigon and then came back here for work or, you know, but. Well, they show her in that she says she became a police officer in Saigon and they show yeah, her okay, in the preview yeah. for next episode talking in, to in, yeah. Dr. Manhattan in her police uniform. So that that was yeah. still, you know, the first part of her dream of becoming <clears throat> a police officer. Uh, you know, she she does that on her own, or at least we, we know she does that exactly when she came back to Tulsa. Uh, you know, we were, we were led to believe through multiple different versions of the story that because it was all the Tulsa police that were killed. Um, by the seventh cavalry that that's why they had so many job openings. And that's part of why she finally made that, that jump back to Tulsa. Uh, but yeah, I mean the moment, the moment when her grandmother has a heart attack, like the cab driver is very alarmed and, and goes running for help, but nobody else on the street gives a shit. Yeah. Right. And it kind of goes back to, you know, they kind of are probably used to seeing all the black people there as American military, you know, that with, with yeah. the draft, it was overwhelmingly, uh, young black men who were drafted to go fight that war. And, and as we saw at the beginning of this series, you know, you see this all black regiment going to fight, uh, you know, white men's wars in world war one, like that, those two things are very connected in this series. Right. So, yeah. uh, and I love that, um, you know, the camera pans up and you see this mural of Manhattan and somebody's defaced it and written the word murderer over the top of it so like, like clearly this little terrorist cell has it's not just their discontent there's clearly much water discontent that we are seeing in the scene where everyone just kind of looks down at this woman who's collapsed and doesn't give a shit right yeah um, probably the vlo which they mentioned i think in the pd files which is basically the vietnamese liberation sure. or vlf i think vietnamese liberation front um which they they in the pd files in that in that kind of lady true uh, puff piece or whatever it was um they 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 allude to the fact that she might be funding them uh which she denies she says she supports the cause of you know vietnamese independence but she's not doesn't agree with their tactics so again nobody knows what the hell she's actually up to and how truthful any of those statements are until we actually well the, know, the, see when the she results. expounds on it though she doesn't just say that she supports vietnamese independence she, she also <clears throat> says that she's working to uh, like unify and pacify all nations for the betterment of mankind. Yeah. Like that's a, that sounds like we're, we're going to just like, you know, wipe the surface of the earth clean and start over anew yeah. and build this new world, which again, um, the, 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 uh, we touched on this, but the, um, when Angela is sort of watching the hologram Ted talk of lady true, she mentions how, you know, she, her failure was nostalgia because she thought that, you know, going back and seeing your, your, trauma would help you move forward but instead people just uh, fixated on their trauma and she realized they were afraid to move away from their trauma into a more utopian world right which again kind of makes me think of my theory that like the millennium clock is going to be something to to jump the whole world forward in time yeah, uh some crazy having, distance yeah yeah after having some kind of like mass hypnosis erase the trauma and then move people forward uh, in time with the millennium clock somehow um, so yeah, again, like another little, little seeds where I'm like, uh, that, 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 that supports my theory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So from there we get the second to last, uh, scene of, of the episode, which is Angela, uh, wanders into the room, uh, with the blue globe 
um, you know, she starts touching the globe and she hears people uh, talking and you, we realize that that is basically a way to surveil all of the Manhattan booths all across uh, the country. I'm not sure even maybe in the world. I don't oh, know, yeah. I no, the, were... she said there's thousands all over the world, although if you look yeah, at the yeah, globe yeah. itself, there was only like one in every city, it seemed like, or at least the there was only like a small number of cities had them in them. And uh, Tulsa appeared that it was only the one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so, and you know, so, uh, true comes in the room and she says, you know, Dr. Manhattan's not even on Mars. Um, he's here in Tulsa pretending to be human, which to us is like a fucking crazy revelation. Um, she, she basically expounds on stuff we've talked about already in this podcast, in this episode about how the cavalry is trying to destroy Manhattan, steal his power, how she's trying to stop them. Um, you know, it, it's it's just very uh, confounding, and we're not quite sure what's happening. She, you know, Angela leaves. She says, "Don't you want to know who he is?" Um, and Angela leaves. Now we assume that Angela's like just too freaked out or whatever. We, we're not sure why she leaves, but she just you know is trying to get to get away from her. Basically, um, you know, later on we realize that this is really just a matter of like she doesn't want to confirm you know by you know appearances or, she, or maybe she maybe she knows that true knows and she's like fuck i gotta get back to cal and and get him out of his his skin suit or whatever to make sure uh that he's prepared because they're coming for him right now you know like mm-hmm. i think that maybe in retrospect that's probably what she was thinking why she got out of there so quickly. right well, well lady true clearly says you know well i didn't even tell you who it was because she knows who it is she knows Angela knows who it is, but she's kind of testing Angela's response to see if Angela knows that she knows who it is. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but yeah, I mean, it's like, well, if, if all these, um, you know, if all these, these redneck, uh, you know, Roy shark disciples, Roy shark disciples, um, somehow figured out that, uh, this, this random, uh, black guy with the amnesia is actually Dr. Manhattan. Uh, pretty sure that somebody told him. Somebody yeah, with, no, with, they, there's no way know. they would have had the resources or just the intelligence to figure it. That's definitely something that True probably is uniquely qualified to figure out through, you know, backtracking his medical records and his, you know, his, his, all of his, all of his shit, all his fake documents. Um, so, uh, yeah, so she uh, leaves uh has to slam through um red scare uh in in the car to escape because they're not letting her go she because again she is still in custody um but she you know slams through that slams through his kind of blockade to get home uh she gets home we see the 7k is sitting outside in a van kind of getting ready to go in um they had their big gun too you see that on the back of the pickup truck i didn't say no yeah the the big 50 caliber motherfucker from the pilot episodes yeah, they that that they apparently have another one of those. I don't know how you would have more than two in the whole state of Oklahoma. That's crazy, but uh, no. So either, either they they you know have more. Or that's the same one or whatever. But the, it was it was under a tarp, right? Yeah. But it was it was definitely like they're there to uh, have a lot more firepower than than Angela does. Yeah, yeah. So she goes inside. Uh, she starts talking to Cal. She she basically tries to kind of walk him through um the revelation would slowly without you know making him 
like be like what the fuck are you talking about because i guess you know we we realized that he part of this was that something that her and manhattan worked out uh so that manhattan himself didn't remember because he i i assume it was just that he created some kind of a device which we see her pull out of his his skull uh that allowed him to kind of simulate humanity um and he wanted to give it a try because he really you know loved and cared about angela uh and wanted to live without the the trappings of being you know an all-powerful god in this universe um but she she basically says like look you know you gotta she calls him john he's like that's not my name she cracks him in the head with the with the hammer and pulls out this little disc uh which is you know shaped in the kind of manhattan symbol and we see a blue glow, uh, which is how the episode uh, ends. And, you know, fucking mind blown. Um, of course, this is something people have theorized about online. And, and I think, you know, I think I, we, we originally wrote it off because we didn't have the second piece of the puzzle, which was right. it wasn't that he was tricking Angela, you know, by pretending to be human. We didn't realize that Angela and, and Manhattan had met each other when he was Manhattan. And this is a plan that they worked out together. Which totally, you know, changes the dynamic it, of it, that it relationship. Does. It's still, I think, a little problem blank for me, especially on a show that's so much, so done so many good things about race, right? That you, uh, you know, like you have this lack of representation in just media in general, right? Uh, especially for you know, loving, supportive, nurturing, uh, not trying to steal the show, non-aggressive uh, black husbands, right? Like that's everyone was praising his character for that, right? Yeah. And when when you first kind of told me about some of the people theorizing that's that, you know, it's it, oh, it's really just a white guy turned blue guy pretending to be a black guy who's great at all these things that uh, aren't represented well on television. I was kind of like that. I just I don't I don't think they do that, especially with like a, a, a very woke group of, of writers to have them just kind of like rob the agency out of this character and have it just be like, nope, now it's just a white guy who's yeah. now a, a blue god. And, you know, this, like, I still think, like, they're going to have to do a lot more explaining to make it not be still a little cringe uh, as a choice. Um, I posted this on online and I was uh, on some discussion group on, on Facebook. Somebody was like, how is that problematic? And I explained in detail. I didn't just go, oh, it's not my job to explain it to you. Like, I didn't, I didn't do that bullshit thing, you know, people mm-hmm. do. Uh, I actually, like, went and articulated it. And then the, the response was, well, if all you see is someone's skin color, then that's bad about you. I was like, what? And I was like, dude, if, if the only aspect of race that you understand is the color of skin, like, how are you even watching this show? Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, like, l- let's unpack all the, all the, you know, thousands of different ways that, the, you know, the skin color is not really the problem that people have here, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the position of, of power and class that is the the issue not the skin color you know as, as we very clearly see uh even in this show um you know judd has no problem with angela there's no problem with with you know little uh you know kids right it's it's because he doesn't see them as having power or he can control them and he can sing a song and they think he's benevolent and everything so it's it's like you know i i, I think i've probably talked about it. i had a boss who um uh, i worked at his place and he was a, he was a big old uh, bicycle loving gun gun loving Trump supporter. And he would say the most racist shit all the time, right in front of people of that race, not realizing that they were like one of the managers was uh, Latino. 
And I'm pretty sure his parents were undocumented. And the, the boss would go off about all these illegals and ruining the country and how they don't, you know, work hard. And it's like, dude, you 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 hired one of them. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, oh, Rob? No, he, you know, he's not like the rest of those. It's like, he's one every, of the good ones. Something right. like that, I'm it's sure. Like, do you yeah. realize that every single one of them is not like the them that you pretend they are? It's just, it's it's like that kind of racism, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and I and I agree to an extent. I think I think there's a lot they can do with it to make it okay, and there's a lot obviously to come in terms of what's how this unfolded. And the interesting thing to me though is that when she in the preview for next week when she meets him in Saigon, uh, he sounds like Cal, like it's the same actor voicing it, right. so presumably the same actor portraying it. So I don't know how they're going to square that with the fact that. Um, that Lindelof said he's not going to retcon anything from the comics, uh, you know, and which obviously making sure. John Osterman a black guy from the start would be retconning. But again, there's a lot of ways that could go. That could have been him just tr- playing cute with that because, you know, he didn't want that to be. He's just trying to piss on. off the, the incels even more than he has. Well, that, that's the thing is if he did, <laughs> if he does actually retcon it, I'm fine with it. Um, and, and if, and, cause that would, again, would just, piss off the worst elements of fandom even more if he made Dr. Manhattan a, a black guy before he became Dr. Manhattan. Well, I mean, uh, it's sort of uh, implied that, you know, the Ostermans were, were fleeing the Nazis because they were Jewish. Right. And that would be just like even more like, you know, you can't, you can't mess with that. It, it, it would be weird, story, but, so. but I mean, again, we, you know, we, we get a totally false origin story for, but it justice. I mean, it could just be that. Yeah, but you, they can get away with that one because he was has whole face covered in the white eye makeup and everything. That's actually I forget the book that that's based on, but like the <clears throat> there's there's a, a an author wrote a book about just kind of like the the code switching or like like the white mask mask that uh, black people have historically had to put on to be accepted. Um, you know, especially in the entertainment industry and just you know other parts of society having to to not act black as a, um, a tool of survival basically uh so that was you know like the, the the white eye makeup was very much a you know call to that uh the artwork on the front of the book original uh edition looks just like that basically um you know you'd also just be like i don't you know like i'm i'm a blue god like what form i take doesn't matter i can look more pleasing to you because this is what's more familiar to you and if that's what you want and she'd be like i don't really care he's like all right well i already did it and i don't feel like changing it back so like that's that, that could be like all that's required Right. And he's just like, well, this is this is my form that I took take now. <laughs> like it's yeah. just could be anything at all. The only thing I the only other thing that I hate though is the people that were like, Oh, the way he talked about atheism or not atheism, just the fact that like before you are born, you don't exist. And after you die, you don't exist again. That like that that's the big clue. You know, like really, like a regular person can't be that honest with kids. It's gotta be like, oh, he's <laughs> well, I think it's just so unheard of to see that portrayal. Like it in real life, that does and should happen, but I think it is it is semi rare to see that on television. So I, I think guess that's so. why. Just well, also because this this you know whoever Cal is this this um, automaton or version of Manhattan that, that doesn't know he's Manhattan, uh, his whole personality is different, right? The way he speaks is different. The way he thinks is different. So again, it's like it's not like it's just Manhattan saying things that Manhattan things. Right. Again, there's there's a level of autonomy and agency to this character that really is is self-aware to the point where just like killing it off seems like it's kind of unethical. <laughs> right. 
Uh, well, unless I mean, it, I uh, we'll, it just, yeah, we'll find unless out. Unless it's a completely uh, compartmentalized, programmed version of a personality that he created himself. Uh, to, See, to, I tend to, to, to aid in the ruse. I tend to think it is because the the kind of background info we get from the PDPedia stuff from this week is they have the uh, accident report uh, from from Cal's accident, which happens in two thousand nine. So presumably, he was created by by Lorian Manhattan in two thousand nine because his paper trail, from what we learn in that and in the episode, only extends that far back. So I don't think he necessarily took over the body of another person. Um, no, no, I don't. I don't think so. Either. You know but even mean? if like, it's I just think like he, he probably created AI, like the next step from what he created on Europa, basically. Yeah, like a more advanced version. Oh, and if he can make like multiple versions of himself to you know work on his computer and also have sex at the same time, like you know he he could create any form. And it's still him, but it's somebody else. It's just kind of weird that you know people are like, "Oh, see, that's the clue that he, you know, gave himself away with." And it's like, you know, it, it is. I guess it is for the audience, but it doesn't mean that he knows what he is. Yeah. Apparently, from his reaction, it's just generally was like, "Uh, she's gonna kill me with a hammer," and she's going crazy because I know I'm not who she says I am. But, but there's elements of him where he he certainly is attuned to anything Doctor Manhattan, even in that. Uh, in that medical report at the bottom, it says uh subject was fascinated by Dr. Manhattan bobblehead on, uh, on doctor's desk or something like that. I just so can't, it's like he, I can't it's not be obsessed myself, even on a subconscious yeah, yeah. level. <laughs> exactly. It, it bleeds through, but yeah, yeah, so that was the episode. Um, really great episode, you know, definitely different than what we've been getting the past couple of weeks. I think next week's going to be even crazier. Um, it's certain- every one, I mean, every one of these just feels like a completely different, method of storytelling and it all feels cohesive it's it's yeah. really amazing i'm never gonna like feet. go back and they were just gonna do 10 episodes and they were like we would have had to have had an episode that felt like other episodes it was gonna be filler and yeah. we just said no we'll do nine and it, you know every every one that i think like there's no way the audience is gonna be okay with this one this one's <laughs> gonna lose them we're finally gonna see people turn on this and go like well wait a minute what are they doing now uh, and, 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 you know, by and large, it hasn't happened. I, I expected people to be, uh, you know, on, on black Twitter mad that they were basically taking this great, uh, male supportive male black husband and just be like, Nope, actually he's Dr. Manhattan. I thought that would piss people off. And it was almost the opposite where they were like, ha, look, black guys, uh, you know, all powerful. And like, yeah, it was yeah. like, they just, they went for it. I didn't see yeah. a single complaint from anyone who was black on Twitter about this. And I like scour the hashtags looking for other people's, uh, you know, what, what they think about it. Um, just because I, I expect a show like this to have a really wide level of interpretation of like people that are just like, didn't like this, love that. I, I took this from this. I took that from that. And this show just somehow has threaded the needle and has made everybody really fucking happy except for like, you know, the people that really are like Seth the Calvary motherfuckers yeah, yeah, yeah. who hate watch it still to this day to complain about it online. <laughs> right. Also complain uh, about like star Wars, like Mandalorian being too woke. Like, you know, show. Oh, God, <laughs> I saw a clip from some, uh, some, fucking... yeah, I saw the same. Oh, so nobody in the village can shoot except this one widow woman who, who all of a sudden can shoot. Like, Oh, did dude, he say fucking... Mary Sue? Did he, did he include that I... one? I don't, I don't know if he did, but he, it was just like, it, it, but the, and then the caption was like star Wars get the, the Mandalorian gets woke. And I'm just like, fuck off, oh, dude. God. Like, yeah, well, how do you know her husband wasn't like an Imperial or how do you know she wasn't an Imperial stormtrooper? Like, you know, like who fucking knows? Like, 
yeah. And that, but that's a huge trope in westerns too. Is the widow who like has like a, is like a crack shot. That's like a yeah. very common trope in westerns. So you know, again, people are fucking. <sighs> yeah, so there was one I saw. Fragile. Like I was. Guy was like, "Well, the Mandalorian's going to be good until they eventually in- inject the ID pole. They always do it." And I was like, "What? Are you do you even know what that means? Do you know what ID pole means? Like, just, oh, oh, the the character was Asian. ID pole. I'm like, what? <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't have uh, one of the you know the one in five people Asian in the world. You can't have that represented without it being uh, forced upon the audience somehow." Yeah. So, uh, well, that does it for the episode. Uh... If you like uh, what you hear, you can uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out. Uh, follow us over on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left. Um, we are on uh, Facebook as well, facebook.com slash move left idiots. Um, if you want to check out our other shows, we do a Mandalorian podcast uh, every week. You check that out in the same feeds. We also do a political podcast every Thursday. Uh, called Move Left Idiots. Check that out in the same feeds. Uh, to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash move left. Uh, if you want to pick up any merch, you can go to tinyurl.com slash move left merch. I am on Twitter at move underscore left. Uh, comrades on Twitter at smut collector with ER, not LR. And we will see you next week. And she's hooked to the silver screen. But the film is a sad thing for. But she's lived it ten times or more She could spit in the eyes of fools As they ask her to focus on on sale again See the mice in their million hordes From Ibiza to the Norfolk broads Blue Britannia is out of bounds To my mother my dog and clowns But the film is a sad thing for Cause I wrote it ten times or more It's about to be written again As I am